to start this time. Well, I don't know. Should I? You know, you should, because this is Gannon's Repair Corner. <laughs> Welcome to the Free Music Ed podcast. And as you've heard, my name is Gannon. And my name is Steven. And today, we're going to be talking about instrument repair. But we're not going to get into all the fancy stuff. It's more like, what can you do as a musician and as a teacher? Now, you mainly do band instruments, so that's going to be the focus here, right? Band instruments? No choir instruments? No, I fix brass and woodwinds most days, and then a little bit of percussion whenever people send me drums that they don't know how to put together. Good, and (laughs) that's perfect. Okay, nice. And so, uh, good. Well, let's think about this. What what can you tell us just about the stuff you get in your shop? Because you do a lot of different schools. You do a lot of student musicians. Like, what comes through your doors? Most of what I work on is coming from schools, like you said. Um, I say 90% of what I see is high school kids or younger. A um, couple of college kids bring me horns every once in a while, and I get a p- couple of professionals um, in the area that will bring me horns too, mostly college professors and stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's mostly kids. Uh, so um, as you as a band director, let me start here. You as a band director, what would you like to know? Like, Well, okay. okay. First of all, I'd say there's some things that I know how to fix as a band director. Uh-huh. Right, and so we've got a little pad repair kit, and these are the things that I can fix. And what I want to know is, are there other things that I can fix? So I don't even know what I don't want to know what you can do. I want to know how to not send it to you. Oh, so me, I'm in uh, a little town in Eastland, uh-huh. and you guys call on us. So you send a repair guy, or you send a sorry, a roadman to come out and bring instruments you repaired and to take instruments that are broken mm-hmm. back and forth. But mm-hmm. that means there's a week turnaround. So if little Jimmy breaks his clarinet, well, then he doesn't get to play it for a week, and he doesn't get as good as he would if he had a clarinet. Mm -hmm. So if I don't have to send it, that's better. And I think most directors are probably like that, even if your turnaround's just a day. Right. So here's the things I can fix. Uh, A kid comes up with a brass instrument, and one of those corks on a spit valve is messed up. Mm -hmm. Well, I can grab a pair of tweezers, pull out the old one, and stick in a new one. I'm very proud of myself. That's a good one. That's right. You know, uh, it's like, oh, what? You mean your tone isn't terrible? You just had air leaking out the whole time? <laughs> Aren't you happy now? Yes. Okay, uh, here's another one. Some pads on, like, clarinets I can do that with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems to work. Using uh-huh. Valentinos? I don't know. Those little spongy... They have sticky stuff on the back. Yeah, the Valentinos. But uh, I know that these probably aren't great permanent solutions. And the other thing is, of course, woodwinds, there's always springs coming off. So popping a spring back in, that's no big deal. And screws, screws that are coming out, Mm -hmm. you know, those are things obviously I should be able to do. Is there anything else I can do without sending to you? Well, um, like you said, buying just a couple of little simple tools will go a real long way for you. One of them being a small screwdriver, um, flathead. You might get a really – and actually, you know, they make those like six, seven-piece kit – Little screwdriver sets. Oh, yeah, yeah, like a dollar general. Yeah, you see them everywhere. Snag one of those. uh, That'll that'll do a lot of it. Um, And then also a spring hook. Pick up a spring hook. If you're going to Team EA next week, pick up a spring hook. They're cheap, and they save your life. 
a, a spring hook isn't that basically a crochet needle it's like a tiny crochet needle um probably only that long what is that five inches four inches yeah something something like that little tiny crochet needle looking thing but you can sit there and grab springs and push springs real easily it's a lot easier than using a pencil yeah sounds like it sounds yeah. like it let's talk brass for a okay. second okay brass um i would say 90 percent, maybe more of the brass work that comes into my shop is 100 percent preventable 100 percent preventable yes Okay, so like brush your teeth, kids. Uh, yeah, actually, that's that's kind of the big thing is keeping your horn clean. Now we, you know, we have a lot of things. I'm I'm not really counting the summer. You know, we have all this stuff coming in the summer that we clean out just once a year. That's regular maintenance. But aside from that, I get a lot of horns that are locked up, that are moving the way that they're supposed to, or they don't sound right, simply because they're dirty. Valves get slow and sluggish because they're dirty. My trombone slide doesn't work. It's dirty. I cleaned one yesterday, a trombone slide. I thought it had dents all over it. Went in, cleaned it out real good, worked perfect. Oh, wow. It was that bad. Ooh. Yeah. So what is it that's getting inside of these instruments? Well, that's gross. Um, (laughs) A lot of it is food. Um, I can kind of tell programs that have their high school band or their junior high band or one of their classes right after lunch because then i see their horns and there's just stuff all up inside of there Ooh. so even even if your kids just kind of rinse their mouth out mouth mouths out with water a little bit makes a big difference you're not blowing all that junk into the horn um i would say that's what most of it is so most of it okay uh, other than just not you know eating a cheeseburger while you play or directly before and cleaning that out is there anything else like do uh what how do you feel about different types of swabs and things or wiping down your valves or stuff like that what can you do um i really don't recommend students to be pulling their valves out of their horns um you know you you'll have those couple that can actually do it and not break things, but most of them will end up screwing something up. They'll put the valve in back and backwards wrong, mess up the valve guide, bend the bottom of the valve, drop the valve, mess up the casing by putting the valve in crooked and scratching it up. Uh, There's a lot of things that can go wrong. I have seen all of those things. Mm, So have I, many, many times. Um, But Oiling your valves, even if they just kind of pull them out a little bit. Um, different people teach valve oiling differently, but pull them out. Just oil them every once in a while. I get so many horns that come in just bone dry. Oil your valves every once in a while. Hey, that does a lot right there. That's why pretty much every program requires their students to have valve oil. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's uh, there's a difference between requiring them and like making them open it up and show it to you every week. Yeah, yeah. Um, but man, that that goes a long way. And then tuning slides. Uh, one thing that most directors don't teach about tuning slides: when you pull it out of the case and when you put it back in the case, move your tuning slides every time. So, like on my trombones, I push my tuning slides all the way in every time I put it in the case. Then I pull it out of the case. I pull my tuning slide back out. Now that is difficult because they're not in the same tuning spot that they were the day before, but they probably won't be anyways. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. Well, and I can see why a lot of directors aren't having their kids mess with their slides every time because 
it's very, very difficult for little Jimmy. He's my example kid, All if right. you haven't noticed. Little Jimmy. It's little Jimmy can't ever figure out how far he had that slide out before. And every day it's like that child is playing a new trombone. <laughs> so I, I, I can see why some directors have a hard time with that. So could you maybe you could have your students watch where they are, push it in, and pull it back out to the same place? Would that work? You know, that would be better than nothing. Maybe, okay. I mean, it, the problem is that, yeah, I have no idea what that sound is. This is this is the best idea recording in a music store. <laughs> this is good. This studio's pretty quiet. I mean, someone someone had a a wah pedal. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, you know, just moving the slides a little bit just keeps them from locking up because um, when you keep them open in the case, they tend to dry out the mm-hmm. part that is exposed. But when you keep it moving, it keeps that oil kind of and the grease moving around and kind of keeps it moist a little bit longer. Okay. And that definitely so helps. The, the the reason those slides lock up is just because they're never being moved. Right. That's and, the biggest reason. Uh, and can you oil those or anything? Well, yeah, you can grease them for sure. I don't sure. I don't use oils on slides. Actually, oh, slide I should change grease. that. You use slide grease on tuning slides and stuff. I like to use rotor valve oil on the first and third valve slides on trumpets, the ones that you actually kick out. Oh, yeah. Works way better than grease. It's super, super fast. And it's but rotor oil specifically because it's real thick. Um, regular valve oil is kind of thin for a slide, but that rotor oil lasts a long time, and man, it makes those third valve slides just fly. So, what about woodwind swabbing? How helpful is that? A hundred percent. Woodwinds need to swab out their instruments, regardless of any other things that they may tricks and tools that they may have in their case and stuff you got to swab out your instrument. In fact, you know one of the things I hate the most for woodwinds? What do you hate the most? Pad savers. Oh, you mean those big, the, the things all your alto saxophone players sword fight with? Yeah. The big fluffy things? Big caterpillar-looking striped things. Yeah. They can be really great tools, but the problem is most people don't use them right. Really, you need to swab out your horn first, then throw the pad saver in. Because the the problem is, especially if your horn gets particularly moist when you're playing, especially on saxophones, um, you throw that pad saver in and it soaks up a lot of moisture and then it's just holding that moisture against the pads. If you swab your horn out first, it gets most everything out. And then what that pad saver is supposed to do is just pick up the last tiny little bits. But it still stays mostly dry. But if you put a wet pad saver in there and then just sit there and hold it against your pads... Um, that's almost worse. That might be worse than not swabbing out at all. So let's talk about swabbing for a minute. All right. Okay, swabbing through a clarinet is pretty straightforward, yep. right? And as the swab goes into the clarinet in such a way that it's tied all the way through. Mm-hmm. Swabbing a saxophone, like, I mean, going through the bell, you're not getting anything up because the swab is so much tinier than the bell. Yeah. You know, uh, how how effective is that actually? Like, can you get down in there? Do you need to figure out some type of way to wiggle around and get the bottom of your bell? Or, uh, I mean, in a perfect world, maybe. I don't know. I mean, they make those swabs that have the big brush things on them mm-hmm. that make your swab kind of spread out as you go through. Okay. Yeah, and specifically for right, saxophone. Yeah, specifically for saxophone. Um it, it it seems like not a whole lot of moisture really builds up on the bell. 
it does build up around your uh what key is that e flat yeah pinky the key that stays closed and you open it up that e flat key um i think you're talking about the g sharp a flat on saxophone but no, maybe oh you're pinky. talking about the low one the low, low one. one i got you yeah other pinky both both those pinky keys stick, right? The ones that normally stay closed and now they open, but that one's at the bottom of the bell. G sharp key tends to get sticky just because it doesn't get used a lot until you kind of get into high school playing, I guess. But well, especially beginners. Well, well, anyway. <laughs> beginners never use that G sharp yeah, key. Do. Well, okay, maybe they should, but I okay. I come across a lot of horns. That's where fair that... enough. In the band literature, they don't. So oh, you, okay. if you're teaching chromatic scales and some stuff like that, then they should. But they should. But I come across a lot of horns where that much. that G sharp key hasn't moved in months. And the kid didn't even know. Yeah, and the kid didn't even know. They're sending it in for a different problem. But do that low E flat key on the back of the horn. That's a really big trouble spot on saxophone. We call it the sewer key. The sewer key. Because that's where all the junk, all the food. And stuff and spit and all that stuff flying out of your horn lands on that pad and sticks. That was so descriptive. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. No. Trust me. When you see how bad some of those pads get, there's you can't even see the leather. It's covered up in so much stuff. It's like crusted in this like quarter inch thick of just. Ugh. So it's ju- awful. Ugh. Just like medicine and car repair. And all of these things, the best thing to be doing if you don't want to be sitting in your stuff is good general maintenance. Yeah, general maintenance. And like on woodwinds, um, oiling your keys every once in a while. Oh, I got you. So like uh, at the places where where they're moving. Yeah, at pivot points and stuff like that. You know, where there's rods, um, you don't want to be pulling your rods out and oiling those all the time necessarily. That's kind of a pain, but... The oil should be staying in those for a long time anyways, but there's certain points where you just you just kind of need to keep it oiled every once in a while. You know what? I just thought of a way I could prevent some repair. All right. Uh, and it's not just that preventative maintenance that we were talking about, but also just making sure that you're properly handling the instruments. Because I'm sitting here thinking, like clarinets, your right hand is right next to some side keys, and you're not supposed to touch those side keys unless you're playing them. But a lot of young clarinet players will set those keys on top of their hand and try to support the instrument with those keys, and they bend the bottom one straight up. Mm-hmm. I just replaced a key this week. That was bent like that, right? It was bent like that. Because they're putting all the weight on it. And it was bent too far, and it was a, wasn't as good of a horn as some that I get. It's still a decent horn, but the key was weak to begin with, and so when I tried to bend it back, it just snapped right snapped. off. Ooh. So I had to replace it. Well, and you see that with uh, with any of those instruments, like you know, clarinets. You have to grease those corks really well. When you put oh, them yeah. together, you should just be able to slide it together. That should be it. But you see students that instead of greasing, they just push and squeeze as hard on the clarinet, and as they're twisting around, they're bending all those keys mm-hmm. because two reasons: one, they didn't use enough cork grease, and two, they're grabbing on where the keys are instead of grabbing around the keys. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and. Most most clarinets and corked instruments I get in usually don't have enough cork grease on them. Almost all of them, actually. I end up putting grease on almost everything that I get. Well, you, you have to take and get the cork grease on the cork and then rub it in. Yes. And then do that until it's slick? Yes. And then do it again next week? Yeah. It, that cork needs to kind of soak it in a little bit. You know what? The worst is bassoon. Because by the time you grease that and you swab it, your class, the whole class has <laughs> happened. Yeah. It's bassoon players. I'm so sorry. 
Why why do you pick bassoon? It's a tough instrument. Stop it. On every front. It's it's awful. And it's the back awful. too. Have you seen all those uh, thumb keys? <laughs> yeah, those nine thumb keys for the left hand. Oh, so many thumb keys. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay. So uh, enough about that. Uh so I guess mainly if I don't want to be sending in repair work, I can fix the really easy things myself and I can prevent most of the really bad things, right? Um yeah, the, you know, and like you said, horn handling has a lot to do with it. Um a lot of the brass repairs that I get in are just from kids dropping horns, slamming horns into other things, um, bending valve buttons, valve stems, um, just a huge number of just mishandling of the horn and bent keys on wood ones. Same thing. They're just careless, just carelessness. Well, and did you hear that when they make those instruments, they sell them with cases? Yeah. I've heard about that. That's right. Isn't that amazing? You know something else about those cases. What? You got to put it in the case right. Yes, that's exactly right. Put it the way that it's supposed to go in the case. I get clarinets with those that same side E flat key Mm -hmm. bent up because they put it. They put the top joint in the case backwards. Oh my gosh! With the key sticking straight up, and then just slam it shut. Well, and you know what? Uh, I I am I am a stickler about this. Whenever I start my beginners, but I have kids all through my program that'll start becoming neglectful. They'll just start taking the instrument for granted, mm. and they'll start doing weird things with it. And when you've got, I guess, what in our program, we probably have fifty clarinet players. You know, I'm not going to be able to watch them get their instruments out and put them away every single day. It's not going to happen. Right. But, man, goodness gracious, is this becoming pet peeves? That's what this is. Like. <laughs> it's our pet peeve podcast. Pet peeve podcast, <laughs> yeah. We should have got pop filters. Yes. Wow, oh. look at how that clipped. Why do you do that? I don't know. You may have to cut that out. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, anyway, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Anything else? Yeah. Um, as far as cases go, you kind of reminded me of this. Oh, yeah, you got to put them in the case. Well, and don't jam your book on top of the horn and then crush it in the case. I see that more often than you would be comfortable with, which is a lot. Well, just that they're taking and kids are throwing all these other things in their case. They're like, wait a minute. I've got this trumpet case. I can fit my history book in there (laughs) and I can fit all my pencils and I can forget, you know, I, I, I can get everything in there. And they're smashing their instruments. Well, yeah. just usually the method books. A lot of times they'll throw method books or they'll mm-hmm. throw reeds on top of the clarinet mm-hmm. and not in pockets. Yeah. Swabs. Uh-huh. I've seen people wad up their swab, put it on top of a key, slam the case shut, and, oh. It, good rule. If you have to force it, you're doing something wrong. Just with an instrument in general, that's good when you're putting it together, when you're taking it apart, when uh-huh. you're getting it in and out of the case. If maybe. you're trying to pull a slide, if anything's happening and when you're, you're going having for to a high note. It, well, yeah, <laughs> that too. If you have to force it, man, something's not right, and you better stop forcing it because you're going to break something. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, unless a slide is pulling pretty quickly for you, I don't recommend people pulling slides on their own. They get stuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they're real serious because you can wind up removing, like, joints of your instrument, like, as in completely taking apart soldered points and things. Yeah, and when I do that, I can put them back together. That's right. You have an advantage. Well, and uh, something that on that note is that if you're feeling really uncomfortable about a repair, I guess it's probably better not to do it. And make sure if you're a teacher that you're telling your students if something goes wrong with their instrument to let you do it. 
Oh yeah. Remind them of this because I've heard of kids like they're going if they're practicing at home, they're gonna get their mouthpiece stuck at some point. Yes. It's gonna happen someday. They're gonna drop oh, their man. trumpet. Something's gonna happen. And there are dads that will get out there and they will rip the lead pipe right off that trumpet oh, trying to get that man. mouthpiece out. Whereas you've probably got a mouthpiece puller. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've I've had trumpet lead pipes ripped off the horn by dad. Um I had a trombone come in here one time that the bell section and slide section was stuck together and dad wrapped his leg around the slide and tried to rip it rip the bell off broke all the solder joints on the bracing on the bell and turned the whole thing up straight oh my gosh you're kidding me no oh that's so bad the horn was like 12 feet long i mean if it's one thing if you're dizzy gillespie yeah but if you're a tremone player you got to face away from the audience now that's right it's like late miles davis Oh, <laughs> you know he used to do that. No, he would do that. He'd sit there and play in the corner, not even look at anybody. You know, a shame. Yeah, he's. That sounds like some of the chair tests I've had with students. <laughs> like they're they're like trying to hide under their stand. Poor things. <laughs> yeah, but really, it, preventative maintenance and preventative handling is the biggest thing you can do. Prevent your students to handle the instruments, and you will have much less <laughs> repair problems. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, as far as tools go, little screwdriver. Um, also, if if you want to spend the money on it, they're about $50. But a pair of pliers that are flat, um, kind of duck-billed shape, completely flat, no teeth on them whatsoever, um, it's what we use for key bending. Okay. You know, if you get keys, a lot of times you'll have side keys on clarinets, you know, especially like left, we were talking about. Yep. Left hand pinky keys bumped over, right hand side keys bumped over and stuff. A lot of times you can just grab those and tweak them right back into place as long as it's not a huge movement. And so if you're looking at, okay, so if it's a slight bend, then uh-huh. that's something that you can go ahead and try to do on your own. And it's especially good if you have the right pair of pliers. Yeah. You don't want to use pliers that have teeth on them because you're going to mar gonna rip up the, the, yeah, the key. But in, And you have to be real ginger with it and you have to have a light touch. You don't ever want to always err on the side of doing less rather than doing more. I think that's fair. That's that's one of my big rules, actually, is when I'm working on anything that's difficult. Take your time, do less, and work your way up. Oh, that's good. That's good. And if you're having any type of doubts about it, send it to your repair professional. At least call him so he can tell you, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. I had a band director not long ago try and hammer out a valve out of a euphonium. Valve was stuck. Got a drumstick on the bottom end of that valve. Started hammering on it. Hammered right through the valve. Ooh. Yeah. So now I have a valve that is broken, still stuck inside of the horn, and has expanded out in inside of the casing from being mashed by that. And once I finally got it out, it had to be replaced. I guess here's some other tools that you ought to have, right? Uh, like, you know... Oh. Uh, I was thinking, of course, a mouthpiece puller we mentioned earlier. Well, Every yeah, band should have, have one. Mouthpiece Preferably puller. one with two screws and not just one, right? Yes. Uh, that's one on either side of the mouthpiece whenever you go to pull it. Actually, uh, I really like the Fariz one. You ever seen the Fariz one? Uh, no, it's very cold. It looks like a, uh, like a torture device. It has these two uh, arms that kind of come together around the mouthpiece naturally. And there's just one giant screw on top. 
Oh, really? Yeah. And as long as the mouthpiece is not really stuck, that thing is the fastest mouthpiece puller I've ever seen. That's perfect. Well, and then there's also, what is that tool called whenever somebody gets a little ding on their uh, lead pipe? Or on their mouthpiece, and you can, like, put it in. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's called a truing tool, a truer okay. or a reamer. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Now, is that something we should have? Is that something we should be comfortable with? Yeah, that's easy enough. Yeah. And if I don't have one of those, a lot of times you can use a smaller mouthpiece, like use a French horn mouthpiece on a trumpet, the oh. back end of it. And 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 go ahead and just pop the other one out, because all that you're trying to do is gently bend that back into that circle. Uh-huh. Or you can use a, a trumpet mouthpiece on a trombone. Really? Yeah. Or uh-huh. use a trombone mouthpiece on a tuba. Uh-huh. Or then you're out of luck. Yeah, at that point. At that point, you need the reamer. Yeah. Yeah, or get new tuba With a French players. horn, you definitely need a reamer. Oh, yeah, with the small one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or use an oboe reed. On, no. <laughs> that won't work. <laughs> no, oboe reeds aren't good for anything. Just burn them. Yep. Okay. Uh, one more. One more. What is it? Small rawhide mallet. Small rawhide mallet. Yes. Um, what s- do I use this for? Whacking moles? Yes. Um Stuck parts on brass instruments. Okay, we're not talking slides anymore. We're talking things that screw on. Bottom valve caps, top valve caps, stuff like that. Um, Forcing those off never works. What you need to do, what you need is impact. And rawhide mallets, as long as you're not whacking the side of the lead pipe or the side of the valve casing, it's not going to mess up those uh, top and bottom valve caps. You can take that rawhide mallet and just smack the junk out of that uh, top or bottom valve cap for a little bit. It'll it'll come right off, no problem. And so what that's doing is that's disrupting whatever is making that stick right. enough that you can then unscrew it. And when you say whack, you don't mean like lift your arm as high as you can and cram it. Is it more of a tapping action? Uh, You can get rougher than you'd think as long as you have good aim. And as long as it's a rawhide mallet and not like something used to... Uh, drive spikes for the railroad or something. No, specifically rawhide, not rubber, not anything else. You need rawhide. Right, because that in and of itself is going to, the rawhide will impact before the brass does. Right. In those specific locations. Again, you're not going to use this on the bell. Physics. Let me ask you this question. Okay. What about those giant, like, ball-bearing magnet thingies? You know what I'm talking about? I've seen these, you know. Dent balls. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you you, take and you get a cloth on one side of the ball, and then you've got this thing on the other side, and you pull your dents out of your bells and things. Is that a thing I can do, or am I going to, like, break my hand? You're going to break your hand. Those are really dangerous, actually. Really? Yeah. Um, so don't don't leave them out for the kids. The magnets that you use for that are very powerful. Okay. And you can stack extra magnets onto it. To make um, the pressure heavier? To make it even stronger. Whoa. But stacking the magnets on there, I imagine if you're trying to put a magnet on there and you get your finger stuck in there, I'm not sure how you would get it out. You would have to definitely get somebody's help at that point and maybe get it pried off somehow because those things are stout. Wow. And if you got your hand in between that magnet and the ball or if you just weren't paying attention to where that magnet was... And it just slams into something else, and you get something caught in between a body part or something. You will not be happy. That's that's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. Yeah, they're pretty. And they're, by seen, I mean heard. They're pretty intense. Also, those those tend to kind of mess up the finish. Yeah, 
Um, it's it's kind of a lot. That's kind of for getting into areas that you couldn't get into with dent rods and stuff if you just wanted to not have to take the horn apart and do it that way. I don't really use those. I don't like them. But they are also pretty dangerous. <laughs> nice. Okay. Leave that one up to your repair professional. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with those. Nice. Yeah. Well, in, anything else we might do? That's that sounds like a lot of information, actually. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I'm not going to send you any more repair work. <laughs> okay, let me just uh, get you a soldering torch, and that's you'll, right. You'll be good to go. I'll be good. Uh, well, and I'm still, still, no matter how much you get done, you still need to be sending off your brass instruments, especially for summer flushes, huh? Yeah, actually, that's a lot more important than people think it is. It's um, Well, I, I've been seeing this pop up from time to time on Facebook because of my band director circles, but different people getting serious lung disorders from playing a instrument for a long time without ever flushing it. Yeah, there's actually an NPR article about a trombone player in college who got tuberculosis from it. Tuberculosis? Yeah. You've got to be kidding me. Uh-huh. He had, he had a, a he was having lung problems for like six months and the doctors couldn't figure out why and they finally tested his horn. There was TB in there and then they started testing the horns of all the people that he hung out with and all the brass players around him. They all had it in their horns. There was like ten people who had it in their horns. It was like okay. Well, just you're getting a lot of stuff into there and whenever you send in it for, it in for a flush like that, you're actually going through and like chemically cleaning it out. Yeah, chemically cleaning the entire thing out. Getting all that junk out of there. Because think about it. When you take a nice, warm brass instrument, you blow all this air into it for 45 minutes or so. Blow all your food, blow all the bacteria in your mouth and all this stuff into there. It's all nice and warm and moist. And then you just take the mouthpiece out and slam it into a case and close it up. And now it's in an incubator. Ooh. You know? Yeah. And so all that stuff can kind of cook up and it's warm still and it's going to stay warm and it's going to stay moist because it's inside that case. And when you compound this over years and years mm-hmm. of use, and especially in a school program with rentals, yeah. you've got to be sending these off. Now, what do you do about woodwinds, though? Because you can't really chemically bathe them. What do you do? Um Usually they don't get too terribly nasty. Saxophones do. Um, and but- I, this is I got to be because they're more opened up. Like the inside of a trumpet is airtight in places, especially with certain valves open and uh-huh. closed. But a saxophone or a clarinet is constantly out in the open. Yeah, it's constantly out in the open. Uh, woodwind cleaning is kind of more like detailing. You know, you just kind of got to get in between all those nooks and crannies, get everything out. The actual bore of the horn doesn't get terribly dirty very easily. Like it takes a very long time for that to get bad. It's more like the finger holes on clarinets. Mm-hmm. Those get real nasty. Yeah, because you've got your fingers going over there. But you go can, find your students and just start looking in like that right hand stack and just start looking inside those holes. It's pretty gross. And can can I do a bit of that detailing with a Q-tip? That's or what something? I use. Oh, there you go. I use Q-tip. And what what do you use? Just water or um, alcohol? Do you put a beer on it? Well, you can use alcohol, but you got to be careful with alcohol. There are certain plastic types that clarinets are made out of, especially those old Bundys. Ooh. That they actually, that particular plastic mixture that they use for those old Bundys and a couple other horns has a real bad reaction to that alcohol. It causes it to become very, very brittle, and all of a sudden your horn starts breaking. Um, a lot of horns you can use, like, denatured alcohol on, but um, I tend not to just because of that danger. I like using Mighty Mist. 
mighty mist. Yeah, you know, just like that green sanitizer spray. It's oh, alcohol. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I use that stuff because it sanitizes and cleans at the same time. You know what does get really gross on clarinets and things? What? Okay, those students who like are, I can save time by just leaving my reed attached to my mouthpiece oh, all the, the time. Worst. And you go look inside their mouthpiece and it's orange. Why is it always orange? Like, what is orange that's going into their mouthpiece? <laughs> I have like, no idea. I, sometimes I'll get this cool shade of green, not on mine, but on the students, because I take my read off. I rinse out my mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. I see green, orange, brown, blue. Blue? Yeah, I've seen blue. I've seen What are they feeding red. kids Red. I've seen all sorts of weird colors. But, yeah, you got to take your read off, man. Talking about that incubator. Mm-hmm. It's just worse on those those mouthpieces. Well, because then you all of a sudden closed it all up, and I mean, uh, a reed it's it's organic material. Well, and you know, I see some of those reeds. I'll take a reed off of a horn that's been on there for a long time, and the back of the reed is literally covered in black mold. I've seen that several times. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. I've seen this several times. I, I throw the reed away, and I call the I'll, I'll call the parent and be like, "Look, you need to tell your kid." To start taking their read off because it's going to kill them. This is a big deal. Yeah. Yes. Well, again, you're creating an issue there. And oh my gosh. Uh, by the way, as a clarinet player, I will tell you that reads matter a whole lot. And if your kids have been playing on the same read for three years and it's broken in half and covered with black mold, it is affecting their tone in a negative fashion. <laughs> yes. That is a PSA for getting your kids on good reads. Enough of that. The bacteria is probably attacking their brain, too. That that might actually explain a lot of clarinet players. <laughs> yeah, it might. We have to check my read now. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of information. Yeah, and this is just the start. That's right. Could go for another hour. Let's not. Okay. Okay, so... Uh, I this has been the first edition of Gannon's Repair Corner, yeah. a part of the Free Music Ed Network. Gannon's Repair Corner. Is that, that going to be your your thing? No, that was terrible. Okay, that was awful. I'm not doing that again. Maybe we could auto tune it. <sighs> That's what it sounded like. No, I found a great app by the way. It's called Singling. You can automatically auto tune yourself through your phone and export it through your headphones. And I took and hooked this up to a big amp, and the other day I made announcements in my middle school band class uh, <laughs> as though you know I were like Kanye West or something. <laughs> That's you know? awesome. Yeah, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. Make sure you do it at the end of class, otherwise you won't get anything done that day. Can we make it a point to mention Kanye West in every podcast we do from now on? I thought we already did. All right. It's like find the pineapple in psych, but yes. it's find Kanye West in the middle of our... Where's Kanye? Where's Kanye? All right. Hashtag. So, hashtag. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. The uh, all, You know what? Hey, kids, what sign is this? Sharp? No, it's a hashtag. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We're going to be using F hashtags in this song because we're <laughs> in the key of G. F hashtags, everybody. <laughs> All right. So you guys practice like crazy, and uh, we should have some pretty awesome TMEA podcast coming out pretty soon, a few yeah. of them. I'm, I'm going to talk to people while I'm there, maybe do a live podcast from the convention floor. Hey. That's right. Sounds I have, fun. I have a microphone. All right. So uh, in the meantime. Take care of your horns. And keep practicing, guys. Thank you.